Hello everyone, welcome to PwC Tax Byte podcast series. My name is Peter and I'm very happy that I can welcome uh, three persons here in my virtual recording studio. I will, I will introduce them to you, uh, but the reason I have invited this, uh, these persons to my uh, recording studio is because PwC has published a guide, a toolkit to be Pillar 2 ready. And I would uh, very much want to understand from uh, some of the authors uh, of that document um, what is in there and why that was so important. But first, let me introduce the people I have here with me. First of all, I have Hanne Schoepen with me. Hanne is part of our Center of Excellence in Brussels here on Pillar 2, and, and she focuses day to day on the implementation of Pillar 2 with our clients. Um, next to Hanne, we have uh, Clayton Paul Stanfield. Clayton is an international tax manager in our Swiss firm. He works very closely with uh, our EMEA ITS leader, eh, Monica Cohen-Dumani. And we have, uh, last but not least, uh, Gurgli Juhas. Gurgli is um, the CEE ITS network leader. So uh, he, he leads a network with 27 different territories, eh, including both European member states, third countries, uh, etc. Gurgli is also uh, the leader of PwC Hungary, uh, Center of Excellence on Pillar 2. Eh? He's also originating uh, from Hungary. Um, and he's assisting clients and network firms um, uh, inside and outside of Hungary on Pillar 2. I must say that's a nice uh, group of people to have with me to talk about Pillar 2. And we have talked about a lot of things uh, in the past on Pillar 2. But the reason for this podcast, for this recording, is that PwC published a guide, a guide to implement Pillar 2. Uh, for our clients. So my first question is obviously, why was there a need to publish a guide, uh, Clayton? Maybe you can elaborate a bit on that. Yeah, um, our guide for the EMEA multinational enterprises is part of a PwC series of regional guides on Pillar 2. And uh, our guide covers kind of the most recent developments uh, having just been published last week. Um, and I think the timing is especially critical since the rules are coming online in, in the EU and uh, several other countries uh, very, very shortly in, in a matter of days in this case. <laughs> uh, so we've uh, just released the guide and that can be found on our PwC website. Yeah, thanks, Clayton. And indeed, Hannah, maybe um, uh, yeah, a question that I have for you is indeed uh, timing is, is, is pressing. Eh? So um, I think... Uh, the idea that still uh, we still have until 2026 to be ready for Pillar 2, that's not the right idea. Right, Hannah? Yes, indeed. Um, some companies may still think that they have until 2026, as then the first globe information return needs to be uh, submitted. However, there are already some um, obligations that need to be done in the very near future. You have, for example, um, the disclosures that need to be um made in the financial year 2023 financial statements so already very soon yeah clear clear so i think it's clear that uh, time is pressing pillar 2 is happening eh? and 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 hence the need to to share this guide uh, to to help our clients and, and businesses to be ready for pillar 2 um gurgli what's actually in the guide can you enlighten us a bit on the content thereof Yes, uh, thanks, Peter. So I think there are a lot of very useful information in the guide. But what I would highlight is that there is a detailed action plan uh, for clients uh, to follow uh, when they want to get a handle of uh, on on Pillar Two and uh, and compliance. Uh, very broadly, uh, what we've been uh, telling our clients is that 
perhaps the best way to approach it is to first uh, do a kind of um, upskilling of their people, understanding the rules, because these are these can be complex and very far-ranging rules. And then as a next step, you should understand uh, which is the group and which are the legal entities that are actually going to be uh, considered as part of the group that uh, will have to apply the global minimum tax calculations. Um, this is what we call the legal entity analysis. And then as a next step, uh, mostly what we see clients are uh, looking for is to identify if they can apply any of the temporary safe harbors uh, to reduce the, the impact, uh, both from a tax payment and a compliance perspective. Most common is the country by country reporting based temporary safe harbor. So this is where we analyze and the client should analyze if, if, if in the different territories they can apply uh, this safe harbor. And the, then once you have the output of that uh, that analysis uh well if there are territories where you cannot apply any of the uh, temporary safe harbors then that gives an opportunity to to do a deep dive uh, the deep dive uh, into into the uh, situation uh, that what we suggest is the next step uh, look at those jurisdictions where where you need to perform the full scope globe calculations already from the beginning uh, this gives you an idea not only about the potential impact uh, in terms of potential tax payment obligations but also in terms of what procedures you will need to set up uh, you, you can look at uh, how your data uh, is, uh, can be gathered for the purposes of this exercise we are seeing it quite often that the uh, the data side of these projects are uh, are very uh, complex uh, these calculations that you need to do the full scope calculation requires a lot of data that is currently either not produced uh, by the groups or or they are not readily available so there there can be a lot of uh, a lot of compliance type of uh, complexities there and then obviously once uh, once you have that uh, then comes the uh, disclosure and provisions and, and the compliance uh, we are not there at this point of time as as you know the more jurisdictions these rules will take effect from next year uh, and and the compliance uh, will come likely only from 2026, depending also on how local legislations will implement that. But as Hannah mentioned, you will need to do some disclosures or, and provisionings in your financial statements. And interestingly, not just in your FI24 financial statements, but already in your FI23 financial statements. So again, I would just emphasize that you don't have too much time to deal with this. So if if if, uh, if you haven't started uh, yet uh, looking at how this could impact your uh, your company, then I would urge you to do so. Yeah, thanks, Jorgi. So I think in, in summary, eh, the, the guide will provide uh, for the audience basically an overview of the logical steps that one would take eh, to, to become Pillar 2 ready. So I think it's, uh, it's probably a useful uh, tool document, even for those of you who are already uh, taking steps at this moment for, for in view of Pillar 2. Eh? It, it could be a useful checklist to make sure nothing is overlooked uh, in, in the process. Um, and one of the first steps is the legal entity mapping. Um, and and Han, I think in, in practice, at least what I see is that's a step which is often a bit overlooked or, or not done in full detail. Yet it's a very crucial step to take, I think. Uh, what, what's your view on that? Yes, Peter. Uh, indeed, the legal entity mapping is key in the whole Pillar 2 calculation process. There are, in my view, actually three important reasons why um, this step is key. 
The first one is the fact that the legal entity mapping entails the qualification of the entity or the entities that will be liable for the payment of the top-up tax in their jurisdiction, being amongst others the ultimate parent entity, the intermediate parent entity, <clears throat> and the partially owned parent entity. The second reason is that if you do not take into account the relevant entities, then the ultimate pillar two calculation can never be right. So if, for example, you take into account an entity that is in fact not a constituent entity for pillar two, and is this not in scope, <clears throat> the globe income and the adjusted cover taxes of this, a certain jurisdiction um, of the group will be over or underestimated and will result in an incorrect jurisdictional globe ETR. Then the third one is linked to the jurisdictional blending, which is a key principle of Pillar 2. So the GLOBE ETR is calculated on a jurisdictional basis, which means that the GLOBE income or loss and the adjusted cover taxes of the various entities located in the same country are netted. And there are specific rules related to the determination of the location for Pillar 2 purposes. Um, and the determination of the location of the constituent entity is also a key element of the legal entity mapping and might have a significant impact um, on your Pillar 2 in outcome. So indeed, uh, a very key step in your uh, Pillar 2 process. Yeah, indeed. And, and one which is often uh, somewhat overlooked yeah, and could, could result in, in significant uh, issues afterwards. Okay, and um, Clayton, then, of course, uh, country by country, safe harbors are being applied, but not all con uh, countries will be safe harbored, probably, in, in most groups. And POC also published a data catalog, I think, uh, with all the relevant data points for Pillar 2. So then, then companies will have to go through that one line by line, I assume, as the next step. Yeah, that's right, Peter. Um, <clears throat> we uh, mentioned this in the guide as well. The uh, PwC has uh, the data point catalog that kind of walks clients through all of the data points that are going to be required for the um, the Globy calculation and for Safe Harbor. And uh, I think one one part to bear in mind is that our clients are already you know spread pretty thin and have resource constraints, and these data challenges are complex and, uh, as I said before, urgent. Um, we'll have to start um, assembling the data in the format that it's needed, you know, in 2024. Uh, so it's a good time to go ahead and look at the the data point guide and uh, also, uh, you know, sensitize client teams to to the uh, data that's going to need to be collected and, and where they're going to find out. Yeah, that's right. And, and the data catalog can easily be retrieved on our uh, on our Pillar 2 page, right, on our website. That's right. uh, what, I, what I also hear from, from clients is that that uh, it's useful to, to walk through the catalog, which gives a lot of insight in the methodology uh, for Pillar 2. Um, so um, I would invite everyone to take a look at the data catalog. Um, if you have not done that yet, I would say. Um, Okay, um, I think, um, well, another challenge that I often hear is the fact that countries are implementing legislation and I understand, Gurgli, you, you, you told me that you see more and more in practice differences in implementation. That seems like an, uh, an important challenge for, our, uh, for businesses as well, I think, right? Yes, Peter, I agree. I mean, uh, we are currently in the time when most of the domestic legislations are being proposed so until now we only had 
the OECD model rules, we had the EU directive, uh, but uh, as we are getting closer to the actual effective date of the rules, there are domestic legislations being proposed by policymakers, and we see that based on these domestic uh, proposals that uh, jurisdictions may be taking different uh, views on on certain uh, certain issues. So, uh, for this reason, I think it's very important uh for any group of companies to take into consideration that the different domestic legislations could uh, include differences uh, in terms of the regulations but also in terms of uh, the interpretation of the same regulations we have uh, what i would point out is uh, uh, and i think this is available on the pwc uh, global website uh, for anyone to use we have a country tracker where uh, where people anybody can find up-to-date information about the uh, local implementation status of the pillar two legislation in any jurisdiction um, obviously the, this will not include all the details uh, but it gives you a, a i think a very good broad overview of the legislation available locally if any yeah thank you Lee. i think that's also indeed a very important uh, interesting resource to have eh, the, the tracker in addition to the catalog and the guides, I would say uh, a lot is uh, available, I would say, for the audience uh, to really start uh, working on Pillar 2 and continue that uh, that project. Um, yeah, in terms of timing, I think we reached a bit the end of, of the of the podcast uh, at this moment. Um, Gurdi, may I ask you, what would be your key messages for the audience uh, today? I think, Peter, maybe if I can say, I would I would highlight three different points. One is that uh, it is really happening. It's coming uh, from 2024 in most of the jurisdictions. So uh, people really have to start dealing with this, uh, even though, as we've talked about it, maybe the first return will only be due in 2026. But that doesn't mean that you don't have other obligations, uh, even from a compliance uh, perspective earlier. So I think uh, I think I would say that uh, we are partly already running out of time if uh, if we haven't uh, already started uh, dealing with the uh, pillar two implementation. The second one is that I think, uh, and this is probably the most um, uh, most complicated part of of all of this is that as companies are preparing uh, uh, to implement these rules and uh, and uh, and comply with these rules uh, jurisdictions are doing the same so in many of the situations we see that uh, there are draft proposals which just came out so we have to analyze that and and because of that uh, it's kind of like a little bit of a moving target uh, which makes it uh, a bit more complicated uh, to comply with this but again i don't think that is uh, that is a reason to delay dealing with the rules because uh, because we know that in at least in the eu uh, it's going to be effective from uh, from next year and also i think it's an important uh, element to point out that there are certain elections there are certain uh, uh, temporary measures uh about which uh, companies would need to make uh decisions before they transition into the new rules so the later you start dealing with this uh the less room you have uh to make decisions about these elections and and therefore you can uh, get into a worse position and uh, and finally uh what i would also highlight is that um in the central eastern european part of the world where i'm from 
there are EU and non-EU jurisdictions. Obviously, the EU jurisdictions are mostly go ahead, going ahead with the implementation because of the directive, although we know that there are five EU jurisdictions who uh, are applying the derogation uh, because they have uh, less than 12 ultimate parent entities, so they will not be introducing these rules from 2024. But then uh, the rest of the EU jurisdictions are introducing the rules. The new EU jurisdictions, mostly what we see is that they are not yet introducing these rules. But it's very important. I've, I've, uh, I've encountered this issue many times that sometimes people think that if they are located in a jurisdiction, their entity is located in a jurisdiction which is not introducing these rules from next year, they think that these rules will not apply to them. This is not the case. Uh, if you have just one entity or permanent establishment in a country where these rules uh, will apply from next year, the whole global operations of your company group will be subject to it. So the fact that locally your country has not published the domestic legislation yet, unfortunately, it doesn't mean that uh, the rules uh, could not apply to, to your group uh, from next year. Thank you for that summary, Gogli. I think... Uh probably very clear for the audience that the time is pressing but there is also the silver lining eh? the the materials that we have available the compared to the tracker i mean the the guide we have published now so in case of any questions uh, take a look at the materials and in case of any questions also don't hesitate to reach out to our pillar 2 expert team of which you will find uh, the contact details uh, in the guide um with that, I would like to thank you all for tuning into the podcast, uh, but also the speakers, of course, eh? Hannah, Gurgley, Clayton. Thank you very much for joining me today. And I would say stay tuned for more updates. Thank you. Bye.